Grace and peace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be with you. Welcome to another episode of Sermons from the Cornfield, a weekly podcast where the sermons that I, Pastor Mark O'Neill, preach from the pulpit here in Camden County, North Carolina. Uh, We're continuing our sermon series on discipleship this week, and we're going to talk about what it means to be part of a 12. Our text for the sermon comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verses 6 through 19. Again, this is John chapter 17, verses 6 through 19. God bless. We continue our sermon series this week on discipleship. Our framework, our vision, our model for discipleship is summed up in those four numbers that we've now become used to. 3, 12, 72, 120. Those four numbers represent how we both make disciples and ensure that we strengthen our own discipleship. Last week, we talked about being part of a three, an inner circle, an accountability group, a core group, brothers and sisters that you can be honest with and confide in, that you will trust will correct you when they see you slipping into sin or will support you when they see you struggling with temptation, a place of brutal openness and strict confidentiality. As we talked about at the beginning of this sermon series, this vision is modeled on Jesus Christ and stays true to our Wesleyan influence. The three is modeled by Jesus' inner three of Peter, James, and John, his closest associates whom the Lord shared life-changing experiences with. John Wesley referred to such an arrangement as a band, and if you were here with us last week, we referenced the difficult questions the bands would ask of one another. Similar questions that we should be asking our three. What sins have you committed since we last met? What temptations have you met with? How did you overcome those temptations? What thoughts or actions have you undertaken that you aren't sure are sinful or not? Do you have any secrets that you are keeping? Now your homework for this past week was for you to find your three, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands here this morning, but I trust that you at least thought about it. Who would my three be if I were to have a three? And I encourage you to find a three this week to set up times to meet and to talk about those questions that were offered by John Wesley. Today we take another step. And we talk about what it means to be part of a 12. Now it's obvious that the 12 is a direct reference to Jesus' disciples. A group larger than the three that was together to follow the teachings of the Lord, to soak up his words and actions and then be able to discuss those same words and actions with their teacher. For John Wesley, he would refer to such a group as a class. The purpose of the 12 or of the class was to bring about behavioral change. If you remember from last week, the purpose of the three was to bring about change of direction, heart, and position with your relationship to the Lord. Another way to look at it might be that if the three was about heart knowledge, then the twelve is about head knowledge, but not necessarily academic learning. Here's how the class or the twelve would work for John Wesley. It was comprised of twelve to twenty members of both sexes, mixed by age, by social standing, and spiritual readiness, all under the direction of a trained leader. They met weekly in the evenings for mutual confession of sin and accountability for growing in holiness. They provided the structure to more closely inspect the condition of the flock to help them through trials and temptations and to bring further understanding in practical terms to the messages they had heard preached on Sundays. Each member was expected to speak openly and honestly on the true state of his or her soul. So as you can see, there is also an accountability piece here. 
Not as brutal or maybe as intrusive or specific as the group of three, but still a space where you would ask each other, how is it with your soul? But to me, the most important function of the twelve is the piece about seeking further understanding. The Wesley class was about seeking further understanding about the sermon that was preached the previous Sunday, but that assumes that everyone in your group of twelve goes to the same church. That's not and never should be the criteria. Our churches are not in competition. We are all part of the same force fighting against the enemy trying to build God's kingdom here on earth. For me, being part of a 12 means further understanding of the word of God and a group that meets regularly regardless of their church affiliation. Which brings us back to the original 12. I think we try to make discipleship too difficult. Like I've mentioned before, we have all we need for discipleship. We have the word of God and we have the Holy Spirit. When you read through the Gospels, there are roughly 17 times that Jesus ministered to the multitudes. However, however, there are about 46 times in the Gospels where Jesus spent his time in private with his disciples. It was in these smaller group settings that he trained his committed followers for their own ministries. And so in our groups of 12, we are also being trained by Jesus for our own ministries. And you might say, well, what ministry? I'm not a preacher. Well, maybe not, but understand the ministry is not limited to only the ordained. Each one of us in here this morning has been called to a ministry. At the most basic level, we each have the same ministry, that is, to make disciples. That's our shared ministry, our shared calling. Now, what that looks like and how and where it's done will be different for each of us. You could be about the boy I read about earlier this week that after a church service on Sunday morning, he announced to his mother, Mom, I've decided to become a minister when I grow up. The mom said, That's okay with us, but what made you decide that? Well, the little boy said, If I have to go to church on Sunday anyway, I figure it would be more fun to stand up and yell than to sit down and listen. So yes, your ministry may be from the pulpit. And don't think it's too late because standing here before you was a man that was called when he was near 40 years old. Or your ministry might be in the break room at your work. Or it might be before, during, or after practice. Or it might be in the classroom. Or it may be in line at the Dollar General or Walmart. But each of us, if we are followers of Christ, have been given the ministry of making disciples. Okay, so if we're in agreement on that point, the next question would be, well, how are we to be trained by Jesus? The answer is by getting serious about studying the Word. Because that is exactly how Jesus trained the original twelve. You might be asking, well, how do we know that? We don't have notebooks from where the disciples took notes. We don't have Jesus' lesson plans. We can't go on YouTube and find Jesus teaching the disciples. And that's true. But we do have the section from the Gospel of John that we read this morning. Chapter 17 of John is often referred to as Jesus' priestly prayer. It occurs right after the Last Supper and right before Jesus is betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. But in between those two bookends, Jesus stops and he prays to God for his disciples. Now, those of you with kids in college or kids in the military or kids who are now adults live on their own, when you pray for them, what do you pray? I bet that part of that prayer, apart from praying for their safety and security and happiness, is that they continue to reflect on and grow in the knowledge given to them before they left. You want them to hold fast to the lessons that you and their teachers and their pastors have taught them because now you aren't going to be with them every day. Same with Jesus. 
When he prays to God, he prays that they be strengthened in all that he has taught them. Which brings us back to this question, what has he taught them? Well, in verse 8, For the word that you gave to me I have given to them. Verse 14, I have given them your word. Verse 17, Sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. Is there any other proof that we need that Jesus, when he gathered the disciples together and he talked and he taught, that he talked about and taught them anything other than the Word of God? And if Jesus taught the Word of God to his twelve, and Wesley says that in his classes they desire to grow in further understanding, then friends, if we are to grow in our own discipleship and be of any count in making disciples of others, then we have got to be part of a group that studies the Word of God. If we are to grow in holiness... Not only do we have to confess and repent, but we have to be in the Word, growing in knowledge and understanding of the lives that God made us to live and the ministry that we are to take to the communities we live in. We have to ask each other questions and seek direction that can only come through conversations with each other. But you say, Pastor Mark, I read my Bible every day. I have a devotion app on my phone that alerts me every day to look at it. Isn't that good enough? No. Just like last week, we talked about how we can't change our behavior or recognize our own sin on our own. And we talked about how we can't hold ourselves accountable the same way others hold us accountable. Same thing's going on here. Look, I want you to read your Bible every day. John Wesley got up at 4 a.m. and read scripture each and every day. Now, I'm not advising that, but you should open your Bible every day. It shouldn't simply be a decoration on your coffee table. A little boy opened the big and old family Bible one day with fascination, and he looked at the old pages as he turned them. Suddenly, something fell out of the Bible, and he picked it up and looked at it closely. It was an old leaf from a tree that had been pressed between the pages. Mama, look what I found, the boy called out. What have you got there, dear, the mother asked. With astonishment in the young boy's voice, he answered, I think it's Adam's britches. So yes, open your Bibles. And I want you to have a daily devotion. Listen, I have a book, I have an app, and I have an email devotion that I look at every day, or at least I try to. And that's the problem. It's easy to see that notification on the phone that the daily devotion is ready and say, well, I'll get to that later. Or see that email on your inbox and say, well, I'll read that devotion later. Or have the devotion or the Bible in your hand and then put it down because something interesting just came on the television. But if you're a part of a group that gets together each week, and especially one that may require some work outside of the meeting, well, now we have a cause to be more intentional because we want to be ready. And the only way to be ready is to be prepared. And isn't that what a disciple really is? About being intentionally prepared? Plus, on our own, we're the smartest person in the room, aren't we? I mean, when we are by ourselves and we read a piece of Scripture, we say, ah, I know what that means. Well, obviously, if no one else is around, there's no one to challenge us or question us or make us think about it in another way. If there's no pushback, there's no growth. And if you're not growing, then you're dying. I found this out in seminary. When I first started the program at Asbury, I took some classes online because it fit our family dynamic much better at that time. In an online course, what would happen during any given week was the professor would post a reading assignment, and then there would be a corresponding question or two. And then on the classroom website, there will be a space to go online and type out your answer to the questions for the entire class to see. 
And usually the assignment would not only be to answer those questions, but then also to comment on two or three of your classmates' answers, pointing out their strengths or weaknesses of what they posted and whether or not you agreed or disagreed or whatever feedback you may want to give them. Now, the way my day typically worked back then was that I would work my full-time job to about six or so, and I would come home and we'd have dinner, and then I'd take one or both of the kids to practice or to a game or to a dance or whatever. Then we'd come home and we'd help with their homework, make sure they were bathed and dressed, and then get them into bed so that my seminary work would only start about 10 or 11 o'clock at night. So oftentimes my answers weren't posted until the wee hours when most of my other classmates had been in bed. Now, the beauty of online coursework is that you can do the work when it fits your schedule. The negative is that you get very little feedback and have very little interaction with your classmates, especially when you post your answers late at night. So there were many times when I would diligently and thoughtfully post an answer, but because of how late it was, it was rare that my answers generated any type of a response. That, of course, is the practical answer. But in my mind, I was thinking, wow. My answer must have been so good, so right on the money, so perfect, that nobody could find any way to argue against it. I might be the smartest person in this class. But then I would have classes on campus and then be engaged in discussion and get challenged and realize that, no, I was not the smartest person in the class. And that was a good thing. Because as I was challenged, I grew. And I continued to grow. The ordination process, serving in this church, all have given me opportunities to grow. So I encourage you to grow. Find a Bible study. If there's not one here at this church, find one at another church. If you still can't find one, then start one. Come to Sunday school. Come to men's group. Come to ladies' group. Come to our craft days. Youth, come to FCA. Come to youth group. There are opportunities at many churches in our area that present chances to grow in holiness and seek further understanding of God's Word. And when you find a group, be ready to be challenged. Ask questions of the others in your group. Engage in conversation and seek the Lord. After you find your three to hold you accountable, find a twelve to help you grow. That's the homework for this week. After you find your three, find your twelve. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless.